0: Prologue of A Mayfair Magician, a Romance of Criminal Science. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dan Grzynski. A Mayfair Magician, a Romance of Criminal Science by George Griffith. Prologue despite the venerable antiquity of the saying it is not always true that out of evil cometh good but certainly out of the apparent evil of the snow burst which on the morning of a christmas eve not many winters ago suddenly buried h m prison at nethermoor from the sight of heaven and cut it off from all communication with the rest of earth there came to me two good things in the shape of spontaneously offered and most generous hospitality AND ONE OF THE STRANGEST STORIES OF WHAT I CAN ONLY CALL INVERTED GENIUS AND DIVERTED HUMAN POWER THAT IT HAS EVER BEEN MY GOOD FORTUNE TO HEAR. I HAD BEEN VISITING Nethermoor, WHICH, AS YOU DOUBTLESS KNOW, IS SITUATED ON ONE OF THE SOUTHERN SLOPES OF THE SCOTTISH BORDER HILLS, DURING THE COURSE OF A SERIES OF STUDIES OF BRITISH AND CONTINENTAL PRISON SYSTEMS, AND I HAD TO BE UP EARLY TO CATCH THE TRAIN TO NEWCASTLE IF I WAS TO HAVE ANY CHANCE OF SPENDING CHRISTMAS AT HOME. But when the doctor or to give him his official title the principal medical officer who had kindly given me a bed came to my door at daybreak i heard his pleasant north country burr saying across the frontiers of the land of nod i'm thinking you'll have to eat your christmas dinner off prison fare or something like it this year mr griffith get up and take a look at the snow i mustered resolution for the plunge and crept shivering to the window Yes, there was no doubt about it—southward and to east and west. The white wilderness mingled with the gray sky, and there was no more chance of making the seven-mile drive to the station than there was of bringing the Scotch Empress up to Nethermoor. It was in this manner that I came to pass my only Christmas so far within prison walls. My host was one of the most interesting of the many interesting men I have had the good luck to meet. He was a prison doctor by choice not from necessity. If I were to publish his name and give the locality of the prison a little more exactly, which I faithfully promised not to do, he would be recognized as one of the most distinguished psychologists of the day. He had a splendid London practice, but the attractions of his favorite science were too strong for him, and he gave it up to study criminal psychology under what he rightly considered to be the most favorable circumstances. I had made the last round with him and the Governor, and duly inspected the preparations for the very mild festivities which His Majesty's involuntary guests are permitted to indulge in, when, just as we were leaving the great kitchen, he asked me, so de voce, to particularly notice a prisoner who had already attracted my attention owing to the fact that he was wearing a mask and goggles of the style that motoring has brought into fashion. In spite of the cropped hair and the closely sheared stubble which covered his cheeks and chin, one could recognize his face at once as that of a man of more than ordinary mental power, even deprived as it was of those principal organs of expression, the eyes, which were completely hidden, as I thought, on account of ophthalmia, by the huge goggles. Even the hideous prison livery, too, was not sufficient to entirely disguise a distinction of form. And a grace of movement which is seldom or never found in the true or natural born criminal this is the season with us north country folk for story-telling said my host as we tramped back to his house along one of the lanes that one of the spade-gangs had made and when we get to our grog after supper i'll tell you the story of that man with the goggles and why he wears them but if you ever tell it again of course you'll use different names and places and maybe mix a bit of fiction with it. I promised all but the last, and that he left to my discretion. Over supper we naturally fell into a discussion of that most absorbing of all topics for the criminologist—the possible nature of that essential difference of mental function, which divides what are commonly called the criminal from the honest classes. Of course I needn't remind you," said my host when he had put a couple of fresh logs on the blazing fire, and we had pulled our chairs round and loaded our pipes, that the first thing the really scientific student of crime, the man who wants to get at the truth, has to do is to get rid, once for all, of what is called the moral view of crime. He has nothing to do with the right and wrong of the matter, but only with the why and the wherefore. Naturally, the student must not carry that principle outside his study. If he does, he will have a good chance of getting into trouble with the policeman. And it is just for that reason that the man I called your attention to in the kitchen is here wearing those goggles in prison instead of occupying a distinguished—in fact, I might say, a unique position in the world of science. It is a terrible pity, he concluded, with something like a sigh. Yes, I assented. It hardly seems somehow in the fitness of things that such a lot of knowledge as he must have should be shut up in a prison cell still he may be persuaded to make legitimate use of it when he gets out he will never get out was the somewhat startling reply he is a prisoner because he failed to realize that there are some things human life and honor and happiness for instance which may not be sacrificed on the altar of science even for the possible ultimate benefit of humanity, and he will die a prisoner because there is no law on the British statute book under which he could be hung for the crime he committed, murder though it was. "'That sounds promising, doctor,' I said after a few pulls at my new-lit pipe. "'But what about the goggles? "'Are they part of the punishment for this new sort of crime?' "'They,' replied my host, "'are not a punishment.' They are only a protection not for his eyes but against them ah i see you hardly follow me. well never mind you will see what i mean shortly the doctor took a pull at his grog and two or three meditative whiffs at his pipe and then proceeded to tell me the story of the convict with the goggles which i reproduce in the following chapters from the notes which i took at the same night and also others of lengthy conversations which we had on the subject during the week for which the snow kept me a not unwilling prisoner at nethermoor end of prologue